Irish Nurses in the NHS podcast series. 2023 marks the 75th anniversary of Britain's National Health Service. Since its inception in 1948, there was a huge demand for nurses as the new health service was being rolled out across the country, particularly in the 1950s. Well, I had great fun. It was a different kind of fun than I had in Cork, because I had a, had a great time in Cork. A sidecar of a motorbike. The men would pull up, said, you want to lift girls? Someone would get behind him on his pillion, and I'd get in the sidecar. And he'd drive us off to the hospital again. They all knew we were nurses. We had a swimming pool in the summer. The swimming pool was a very popular venue. We loved our swimming pool, we did. recruitment campaign launched by the NHS in Ireland attracted thousands of young Irish women with the offer of free training, accommodation and the chance to earn a wage during their nurse training. And we went to this disco. But obviously, you know, it was like the United Nations, it was packed. But then trying to get back, you know, on the train, I still don't know how we ever got back. Coming from Ennis and from Limerick where I trained where you knew everybody. It was very different. I remember on a Sunday, Sundays were always very lonely in London. In this episode, we meet some of the Irish nurses who gave us an insight into the London social scene during the 1950s, 60s and 70s. Mary from Tipperary arrived in London in 1952. Rationing in England, we used to go with our little dish of butter to Mrs. the housekeeper and uh, a little pot with sugar in it. The tea, we didn't have to have sugar and butter was rationed still in 1952. It wasn't exactly what she had expected. My vision of England was partying all night and dancing and all this, which, which was a terrible culture shock to me when I didn't. But we still did go dancing, we did. Despite the austerity of the post-war years and indeed the curfew in the nurse's home, it didn't stop her and other nurses from going out on the town and having a good time. Well, of course, being probation nurses, we had to be in at 10 o'clock every night and we lived in the nurse's home, which was just a few hundred yards from the hospital. And the night sister locked the door at 10 o'clock. It didn't faze her at all. It was a long way from Tipperary. She was starting a new life, free of the constraints of authority that she had left behind her in Ireland. From the moment she arrived in England, she was bringing all the other nurses with her on this exciting adventure. They were on a mission, and that was to check out the bright lights of London town. There was the... uh... Jewish girls, Dutch girls, German girls, all of us. I used to take them to a, an Irish dance hall in Hammersmith, next to the, the Galtione, it was called. And we were all doing Irish jigs and Irish dancing, and they all had the fiddles, Irish band, and all the rest of it. There was never a dull moment. There was always a fight, because the Irish men did not understand, excuse me, dances. And you're dancing around, minding your own business, and somebody would come up and tap him on the shoulder. And he'd say, what do you want? And he says, excuse me. He said, what for? And the next thing, there was a punch-up, and 
They were all on the floor and we were all running for the bus. The 1950s saw the emergence of popular culture, of music and dance as they exploded onto the London social scene. Of course, Mary and her fellow student nurses were in the thick of it. She remembers that time as if it were yesterday. The 22 bus took us to Hammersmith and we were all dickied up in our dirndl skirts, as I said, and the hair all curled up and the makeup on. And it was, the teddy boys were rife in those days. And my friend, she came from Galway, she's dead now, bless her. She said, I'm not dancing with those teddy boys, Mary. She said, all they do is gyrate their bodies. She said, they don't dance, and they didn't. They big, thick soul shoes, and that was all they did. Was... Wherever there was dancing and music, Mary was leading the charge. Tea dances we went to, and those days, for half a crown, Joe Loss, and he had an Irish singer, lovely girl she was. And of course, women didn't go to the bar. You didn't. We had a lemonade. We were allowed to drink orange juice and lemonade. But at night, we had to come back. But the police were not averse to giving a lift to some of these young women who found themselves out late at night on the streets of London. And we'd be standing on Putney Bridge waiting for the bus. And the police cars used to come along, the old Woolseys with the blue light flashing. And they got to know us. But in those days, we used to sit on a lift. You know, it was acceptable. And they used to pull up and say, hop in. So we all get in the back of the thing. And they used to drop us around the corner from the hospital. I remember very easily jumping on a, a sidecar of a motorbike. The men would pull up, said, you want a lift, girls? Someone would get behind him on his pillion and I'd get in the sidecar. And he'd drive us off to the hospital again. They all knew we were nurses. A decade later, Bernie started her nurse training in a hospital in East London. But when she arrived there, she discovered that the hospital was actually miles away from central London, where all the fun was going on. The other factor that at the time was transport. The hospital is about, what is about, four miles outside of Dartford. And there was a bus there. I mean, there was a couple of buses that didn't go very regularly or that. And then there was a train station into London. But um, the transport was very limited. Money was limited. For Bernie and her friends, the London swinging 60s social scene was near and yet so far away. I recall there wasn't a great deal of social life. Now, probably for you know the first year of my training, we had the nurse's home, where I stayed in the nurse's home, um, and we had a television, which was great. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, there was also the radio there. And we used to get together in the evenings with several of the other girls of all different nationalities, may I add, or that. But um, we didn't have a great deal of social life. That's how I recall it, or that. Because of the unreliable bus service to and from central London, Bernie and the other nurses had to make do with socialising in the hospital itself. There wasn't really much opportunity of getting away from the job, except for the occasional night off here and there. I think as I got more more confident, maybe, or more established and met other people, we did take trips 
into London we did Mm -hmm. but again that was always very limited because obviously of the transport and um, there used to be a coach back I mean we went then to a couple of the um, Irish um, venues at night and certainly I remember going to the Galtimore and I went went to the the National and I think there was a a coach back there um, on a couple of occasions and that was a great outing but I can't remember that it happened too often Mm. and when we did go there again it was a matter of making sure I actually do remember I was I probably was very anxious Mm. about getting back. However the hospital did have something unique that brought people together that other hospitals did not have. We had a swimming pool in the summer. The swimming pool was a very popular venue. Mm -hmm. We Mm -hmm. loved our swimming pool we did. An outdoor swimming pool. Outdoor swimming pool Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't know how to swim, but I mean, that didn't stop me. <laughs> you, were, you were fearless then, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. I'm sort of the middle child of four children. Frida came originally from County Clare in the west of Ireland. And although she had spent some time living in Ireland's second city, Cork, her social life had been pretty non-existent. I mean, it was an experience because obviously where I literally come from, a little village in the west of Ireland, and even though I lived in Cork, I didn't socialise as such. I, you know, I didn't go out into Cork to clubs, or I don't even know clubs existed in Cork there. Discos, maybe. Discos, but I didn't go any. I just never went. And that was until London beckoned. And then obviously to be arrive in London, and the first experience of going up into London, <laughs> we went to... Um, some of the older, I'm saying the older girls, a group above us were involved in this one. We went to a um, place, Leicester Square. There was a club, it's, I think it's a cinema now. Yeah. And we went to this disco, you know, it was like the United Nations, it was packed. But then trying to get back, you know, on the train, I still don't know how we ever got back. Down. So I think that was my first experience going into London to a club. Uh, Empire, that was a called. The Empire. The Empire. Oh the, yeah, it is a cinema now. Yes, yes it is, isn't right. it? Yes, yeah, I think when we ever go up there, I think, oh my God, that was it. That, yeah, so, but then we were young and free and off we went. Was it exciting? It was. Oh yes. Yeah. It was different, wasn't it? You know, completely different that you could. And then obviously sometimes you had probably a little bit too much the night before and then you'd go on a ward the next morning. I used to suffer desperately, but of course... The nurses previously would know what, what we were all up to. So, you know, just get on with your work. <laughs> so did it feel like an adventure? Brady? Oh, yes. Yes, a big adventure. Mm. Oh, yeah, a big adventure. Yeah. yeah. It was different. Yeah, it was exciting to come from West Clare to, you know, as I said, even though I was in Cork, I didn't, you know, I didn't adventure anywhere out. And, um, yeah, what an adventure. Well, I had great fun. It was a different kind of fun than I had in Cork because I had a a great time in Cork. Unlike Breda before her, Olive was actually reluctant to leave Cork because she was having such a great social life there. The social life in London was very different and I think at the beginning it felt like a letdown. Mm. But then I figured it out and it wasn't as action-packed. But I had had a friend who was living in West London with her boyfriend who was an engineer from Cork. And they used to have these wild parties most weekends or at least a few times a month. And I always went over to Wembley and had a wonderful time. I met all these Irish guys who were over here as newly qualified engineers. And they were great fun and they were really nice. And so that was great. 
With her social life picking up a bit, Olive settled into the rhythm of London life when she began to embrace the emerging bohemian fashion trends. It was the 1970s, the era of platform shoes and maxi dresses. And then I discovered Kensington and Bieber's and shopping in Kensington. And every now and then I'd take a day off when I wasn't really sick. And I'd go off and I'd spend all day in South Ken and Portobello Market. And I'd buy loads of cheesecloth things and denim skirts and platform shoes. And I was reeking with patchouli oil and wraparound cheesecloth skirts and incense sticks and Indian leather sandals and yeah. <laughs> you liked your fashion, I can tell. Well, hippie fashion. It, it had to be alternative, you know, but there was, I mean, that was the era when everything was sort of, you know, the hippie thing and the, the Beatles and the Indian influence and Hare Krishna. There was a renaissance of sorts happening in London when Olive arrived to start her nurse training. The deal was that the social life that London had to offer her needed to be better than the social life she'd left behind her in Cork. And I'm really interested in theatre and I met a friend, Mary, who's a nurse. And Mary and I used to go to all these interesting, I suppose, fringe theatre and things. And I remember I, I had a sewing machine and I made my own clothes. And I remember making this very dramatic, actually cloak with a hood out of grey material and satin lining and I remember going off to the theatre in this thing and denim jeans and clogs and embroidery on my jeans with Mary reeking for patchouli oil and going to the theatre and having a wonderful time and doing all the things that maybe I couldn't do in Cork. So there was a history of women in my family going into the bank and I said no way. Like Breda discussed earlier in this episode, Therese was also from County Clare. Her career was already decided by her family, but she had other plans, and the prospect of spending the rest of her life working in the bank was definitely not part of her plan. And then my sister went into the bank, my dad wanted me to go into the bank. I wanted to go nursing, and my dad really didn't want me to go nursing. Um, he said he just felt he didn't want me to do it. Therese got into nurse training in Ireland and then went to the north of England to train as a midwife before embarking on a career in midwifery in London in the mid-1980s. This was at the height of the Northern Ireland Troubles and the associated bombing campaign in Britain. And I came to London in the 80s um, as a staff midwife. Um, and I stayed there for about three years. And that was a really difficult time being in um, London, in the UK, because the IRA were bombing mainland Britain at the time. And it was really really difficult being Irish. Despite the existing socio-political instability of the time, Therese was able to socialise with other Irish nurses as long as there was safety in numbers. So it was actually really, really tricky times um, being in London. And a couple of the girls I'd trained with in Limerick came over. Um, they were over nursing at the time. There were a few of us that were, were in contact. And then... Um, yeah, I stayed there for three years and it was great. I mean, we had a great social life. We used to go out a lot in London. So thinking then about um, being in London in the 80s, we've talked about the political situation. Mm. Obviously, that was very difficult. But what was it like being a young, very young girl at that time in London, the social life? Because you'd come from Clare, then Limerick. 
then Yorkshire, and then London. What was it like? It was very different. I mean, it was difficult to meet people. I socialised mainly with the girls and then with my friends from... So they were staying in a hostel in Victoria, my Irish friends. So I would go around. I felt they were much more sophisticated because I was still in the nurse's home at that point. And they were in a flat and I used to go around. Some of them were working and had been working for quite a long time. Some of the English side of the Irish group. And um, we used to go around to them for supper. Somebody would cook. And we'd go to the pub a bit. But it was actually... It was a strange, you socialised with the people you worked with and you wouldn't, if you went to clubs or things like that, it was very strange because you didn't know who you were meeting. And coming from Ennis and from Limerick where I trained, where you knew everybody, it was very different. I remember on a Sunday, Sundays were always very lonely in London. Um, And I remember on a Sunday afternoon when, if I was off on a Sunday, walking up to Waterloo Station just to meet people. And I often talk about that still to this day. I used to just go up to to see people, just walk up along the York Road um, and go and get some sort of a takeaway for myself and just walk around Waterloo um, to meet people. But I think the shopping, I don't know when Margaret Thatcher opened yeah, the, the shops on a Sunday. Yeah, 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 that's right. So that changed a lot, yeah. didn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But then I also remember um, when I moved into the hostel in Victoria and I remember walking through Green Park up to the West End. I mean, that was just such a great feeling and seeing all the nannies with the big prams in Green Park. And it was lovely. I mean, there was walking past, you know, that lovely walk up through um, St. James's Park and Green Park and then up through Mayfair and up to the West End. Yeah. Thanks for tuning into the Irish Nurses in the NHS podcast series. The Irish Nurses in the NHS podcast series is brought to you in association with the Department of Foreign Affairs, the Irish Abroad Unit, the London Irish Centre and the London Metropolitan University. In our next podcast, we will hear the women's stories about what it was like to live in the nurses' home in Home Away From Home. We would like to thank the nurses who contributed to the making of this podcast. Mm-hmm.